chance, one life, one take. Little room for mistake. Who do you Welcome to the Dead Funny Dead Series podcast. Uh, this is the new series, 30 End of Life Duelas in 30 Days. My name is Mitzi Weiland. Uh, I'm your host for this series. Today, um, our End of Life doula is Cindy Kaufman. Uh, she is the author of The Mortal's Guide to Dying Well, Practical Wisdom from an End of Life Doula. Uh, and her company is HeartSpeak End of Life Companioning. Uh, and she has much, much more uh, that she does. And she'll tell us uh, that. Welcome to the show, Cindy. Thank you so much, Mitzi. I appreciate being here today. Of course, of course. So we're going to just dive right in to this. And we're going to start with your why. Uh, if you can share a little bit about your decision to become an end-of-life doula. Yeah, I'm, I'll be happy to. So my why is a little uh, lengthy in that my interest in working in the um, field of death and dying began with uh, experiencing my grandmother's death when I was 29. And I got to spend the last three days at her bedside and was there for her final breath. And that was my first experience with death and um, I was, I found myself to be very comfortable sitting in that environment and sort of experienced some family members who weren't. And I did kind of didn't understand why they didn't want to join me in sitting bedside. And uh, I now know that some people are comfortable and some people definitely are not with uh, end of life. So um, coming away from that, I felt like my grandmother had given me a gift, sort of shown me, disability that I had and at the age of 30 or 31 so about a year after my grandmother died I sought out becoming a hospice volunteer and most hospice volunteers are not that young (laughs) typically they're retired people who are looking for volunteer opportunities so I was kind of an anomaly I think but um, I did the training and became a hospice volunteer and just no matter what I was doing career-wise, job-wise, you know, over the next 20 years, I uh, always was doing hospice volunteering because I just loved the work. And then a few years ago, I had a serious illness of my own, and that sort of prompted me to say, I don't really want to do something going forward in my life that I'm not passionate about. I don't want to spend time helping someone else develop their business and do what they're passionate about I only want to do what I'm passionate about and the thing that you know has been the most rewarding is all of my experiences working with people at end of life so I started researching what might that be and I discovered the field of end of life doulas or death doulas and had never heard of them in all the years that I've been around death and dying had never heard of this and um, so I researched it and realized this is me. This is what I've been doing with hospice patients all these years. But then seeking out the training would give me more tools and um, uh, knowledge that I could then share with clients and and actually create my own uh, business out of this. So um, I discovered uh, ANELDA, International End-of-Life Dual Association, and in December of 2017, I did my training, and then I started my business uh, in 2018. I did my certification with ANELDA, just I'm one of those go-for-it kind of people. If there's a certification to be had, I'm going to have it, because I'm sort of an achiever, overachiever (laughs) sometimes, and 
And so I opened my business about three years ago and um, met a group of doulas in the Denver area. Um, and uh, we all decided what we really needed was um, a way to collaborate with one another. That This is a very difficult uh, field to be in by yourself. Um, it's hard to not have coverage for clients if, because you can't always be in all places at once. And it's also hard to get out and educate the community about who we are and what we do and why they might need our services alone if we're all trying to be the educator. So, um, so the next step sort of seemed naturally to, to create a collaborative where we could have that support network and, and share in all of those things. So, so those are the two things I'm involved in now is having my own practice and then having this uh, collaborative group of other doulas. There's definitely power in numbers um, when you're trying to get the word out on what you, what this does and what this is for. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot of education in a new profession. Definitely. And just also the, the support of being able to, um, it, it's difficult. Not everybody understands the challenges of the type of work that we do. And uh, sometimes we have some very emotional situations that we experience with our clients. And just being able to kind of um, have a place where we can um, almost have like a, a group uh, talking about, a support group talking about our experiences. and and maybe ways that, you know, someone else could give us hints on um, something we could do better with one of our clients. Maybe we haven't thought of or, or don't have experience with and things like that. So just that support network among us is really helpful as well. Absolutely. Would you consider that maybe a consultation group as well as support? I consider it, it's kind of a support debriefing Almost like a debriefing type thing. If if that piece of it is needed, then you have that group available to do that. Because um, I think, you know, sometimes we work with um, challenging situations. Maybe there's a very dysfunctional situation in a family that we're working with a dying person in a family. And um, it can be challenging to have one or more family members who maybe aren't in agreement with what the dying person wants or maybe what they're direct caregiver is is proposing and and wants and so uh it can be helpful just to have doulas with a variety of uh experience or um you know maybe who've been doing it longer than you've been doing it and you know have have come across many different situations so i think just um you know kind of having that what would you do you know or or how might you do things differently or what haven't I thought of that kind of thing. And then if it really isn't the right fit for you, maybe referring out to another doula too, to be, to be able to say this, maybe I'm not the best person for this family and it's not about you and it's not about the family. It's just not everybody is a good fit for everybody. So perhaps a doula with a different experience or maybe a different uh, background might be a better fit. So just knowing um that that that's a that's a helpful thing to do for your clients absolutely i i think that that's uh i think you 
She's got the two best points, uh, in my opinion, on um, collectives. I am a huge fan of doula collectives uh, for those two reasons. And one is referring out, right? Because everyone has different strengths, different personalities, mm-hmm. everything else. And right, we're not a fit for everybody. And right. yeah, and the other one is debriefing um, because we do have this advanced uh, concept of vicarious trauma um, when mm-hmm. we're working with. Uh, I mean, death is difficult um, across the board, even if we make it easier. And families um, <laughs> are, can be, it can be challenging to have all those personalities um, in a difficult it's situation. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think that those two pieces really help um, death doulas um, thrive. So. Excellent. I agree. Okay. And, I, and I don't encounter those difficulties very often, but once in a while, once in a while, something's really challenging (laughs) and uh i just might need some extra help and you know you have people that you already know and trust to be there it's amazing that i know and trust and also you know to for me to be able to take time away um you know to take care of myself and and have some time off those are really important things and if i have ongoing clients and i can bring in a trusted doula that i'm that I know well and, and that I can assure my client that if you trust me, I trust this person. And, you know, I think this person would be a good fit to cover for me when I can't be here. So that's another really good benefit of the collaborative is just having trusted resources if, if you need coverage for whatever reason. Absolutely. What a great point. We mm-hmm. all need self-care. Um, yeah. Always. But specifically in this position. <laughs> Absolutely. You deserve it. We do need time away. (laughs) We do need time away to care for ourselves and not work. (laughs) And not work. And not work. (laughs) So you have this, I mean, you kind of got into the good parts of being in a collective. Um, When you're working with clients, do you have any challenges? Do you have challenges finding clients or working side by side with hospice? Are there challenges on that? Uh, I think there are challenges uh, with both of those. So I think the finding clients challenge is just that not enough people know about end-of-life doulas. Um, and, it, and, and there are still people who don't even understand really what hospice is, mm-hmm. or maybe they have a misunderstanding of what hospice is. So um, one of the areas that we created for the collaborative was a speaker's bureau. Because the other thing we know is not everybody's comfortable with getting out and doing community education and public speaking. So for those who like it and are good at it, let's get you out there. Um, because we need a lot of education in our community about this field. Uh, we need to uh, deal with the myths of hospice because there are a lot. And so I always include that. I always include an education piece about hospice about dispelling the myths of hospice and then how end-of-life doulas are not a replacement for hospice but are um, a perfect complement to it's kind of a dovetailing um, because doula support is non-medical and it fills in those gaps that hospice cannot do Uh, one of those is time uh, doulas who work for themselves have the time that clients need, and we aren't bound by um, Medicare guidelines or 
or companies or hospitals or, you know, profit corporations or nonprofit corporations that run hospice to tell us how many clients we have to see a day and we can only be there 30 minutes and then we got to move on. We don't have those challenges. So um, we have the time to spend uh, in, in meeting the needs of our clients and their caregivers. Uh, and then the other piece um, I would say is um, the hospice, a lot of hospices still don't know we exist. A lot of them don't. I would say maybe most of them don't still. And even when they do, I think they don't understand who we are and what we do. And there, there may seem to be some uh, misunderstanding that we're trying to take away from what hospice provides. And, and, and that's not true. We'd like to work, you know, uh, with them. I have worked in conjunction with hospice staff and then I'm the doula on the case. And um, it works out quite nicely when everybody's open to me and what I do and how it doesn't infringe on what they do. And I really become another communicator among all the, the pieces uh, working to help that dying person, um, the hospice staff, the family. Um, maybe, you know, distant families sometimes who aren't present for the caregiving that's going on, friends, neighbors. I mean, uh, sometimes I just become that conduit that sort of can bring it all together and help everyone sort of be on task with where we are and where we're going and what, what the dying person has chosen for themselves. So it becomes like an advocacy. Uh, position as well um, and again my I'm there more often than most of the hospice staff in many cases so I'm just aware of what's happening and can communicate that to everyone that needs absolutely. to be brought up to date mm -hmm. absolutely um yet yeah, time time is the important piece with that time time is one of the great benefits um, that doulas can bring especially for the caregivers and the loved ones who are are doing the caregiving to be able to offer them respite and again self-care time for them to take care of themselves so that they can keep doing that work of caring for their loved one yeah uh, i like when um i've heard a few times that they that allows the family members to have their role and even the hospice workers to keep their roles um the doula comes in and kind of fits that middle ground so the daughter can be the daughter not just a caregiver and the hospice Absolutely. nurse can be the hospice nurse and not a social worker and a hospice nurse so great point absolutely so the final question what what hopes do you have uh, for this profession and, and your business going forward um i have a lot of hopes around um that this will become maybe not this year, maybe not next, but that this will just become a household knowing that people will just know that this is that extra end of life help that everyone can use. And I, I also like to keep in mind too, that we're not just there to 
um, you know, the point you're making about allowing a daughter to be a daughter, it's also helping. We also help teach caregivers how to give care. And so a lot of it is teaching what we know so that they won't need us at some point mm. um, is, a, is a really great possibility. And I think that lends itself, if we talk about community and family-centered care, I am all about helping people do what they do better in their communities and, and within their families. Um, I also am a home funeral guide. And so that's very similar with that. It's just teaching people how to do it for themselves to, to bring this caregiving uh, back into families. And it's tough because I think in the U S we're so spread out. A lot of families are very spread out. So we may not be there to be able to give care or um, take, you know, be, be present when our grandparents are dying, that kind of thing. So if we can offer this educational piece to families and communities on, on how to care give for themselves, I'm, I'm all about that. Um, I, and if it works me out of a field, it works me out of a field, but I'm really passionate about family centered care and, and community care. And um, I think doulas can teach a lot of skills to people on, on how to do maybe something they never saw with their own uh, parents taking care of their parents, that type of thing. So um, I think it's skills that we can bring back to our communities on how to care give. Yeah, what a lovely concept. Uh, you're going to teach everyone right out of a job. but. <laughs> I mean, you know, that may not happen, but it's not a it's not a bad goal to have that we actually improve death care Agreed. In, in our in our uh, communities and in our families because uh, we've lost so much of that. We most people have no experience with death and dying because either it happens in a hospital or it happens in a care facility or you know, again, they're across the country and they they didn't they weren't there for that experience and. So I just think that we don't see death and we don't experience death. And, and I don't think that's to our benefit at all. And so, and I also don't think it helps our grief and bereavement when we don't have any experience with the dying um, of a loved one. So I think when you can caretake and you're there and you witness um, that sacred space with that person that you love, I think it changes grief. Um, and so I, you know, that's part of my wanting to promote people taking this back on in their families is I think it helps us a lot to have that as a part of our life because it is life and death are on the same thread, I think. So it's a noble goal. Yeah. I'm here, I'm here for it, Cindy. Good, good. <laughs> Um, happy to hear that <laughs> as on our way out you did uh just write and publish last year uh, mortals guide to dying well um do you have a couple I sentences do. about that so people can find your book and what it's about it is available on amazon and you can do the digital download or you can buy the paperback and um it really kind of covers a lot of what we were talking about today. Um, 
in in a lot more detail and includes also um, how we are evolving in funerals and burials and body disposition in this country. So there's a whole section on that too. So yeah, it covers a lot for a small for a small paperback. It's filled with really good information that I hope will help everyone who reads it. I'm I'm sure there's a lot more than this um, short conversation. So everyone needs to pick that up and, and dive in. Um, so I want to thank you, a huge thank you uh, to you, Cindy, um, for sharing your how and why of becoming an end-of-life doula and so much more. Um, her info will be on the show notes, so you'll be able to find Cindy online and on Facebook. Again, where can they find you on Facebook? On Facebook, I am uh, at HeartSpeak, all one word, HeartSpeak, end-of-life companioning. Or I'm at the Colorado End of Life Collaborative. Great. And I'll put those links in in below so you can find her and learn more about her practice in Colorado. Um, And then finally, all you lovely listeners, um, if you're enjoying this series of 30 doulas in 30 days, please would mean the world to us if you subscribe or hit like or leave a review or any of those. Um, It helps us make more content like this and contribute to the important, very important conversation of ethical end of life care. Uh, and then jump on over after you've done one of those things uh, and you can join us on Instagram and TikTok uh, so we can know more about you and why you're interested in this wonderful conversation. That is what we have for today. Cindy, thanks again. And we thanks will see all you, you uh, at, in the next episode of Dead Funny, Dead Serious. Yeah.